This morning what I'd like to do is spend just a few moments unburdening my heart to you. I've been, for about the last three weeks, I've been hearing voices. I don't want you to call the behavioral science department, not that kind of hearing. But the voices of people serendipitously speaking, and I'm hearing. And I'm saying, God, what's up with this? So I want to tell you a story about the last three weeks. Actually, four Mondays ago, four Mondays ago, we're getting ready to have a church board here, the last of the uh, semester. I was in my office, and Michael, Pastor Michael, our youth pastor, these, these 18 beautiful children, young adults going to Nicaragua. Michael stuck his head in, and I don't, I don't, I don't remember what we, we got to talking about, but somehow it, uh, the conversation shifted to the reality of life on this campus. And that is, I mean, you are going full bore here, at the, as you know. You're going full thrust. You come right up to that graduation, you collapse, and immediately you suck in all the air that you can because now it's the next chapter. And everybody on this campus is now scrambling to get ready for the new school year coming. And I'm telling you, the summer has gone just like that. It's gone. So we're talking about the new year. And, and, and we're wondering what it is that God is going to do in our midst. And I thought of a sentence then, shared with me by my friend Bruce Wren. It's a great line. It's from the uh, Chicago architect Daniel Burnham. And I'll put the sentence on the screen for you. Make no small plans, for they do not contain the magic to stir men's souls. Every leader knows that people need something big to hitch their wagon to. So what is God going to do that's big, outside of the ordinary? What vision does God have where he raises the bar higher than we could ever humanly raise it ourselves? So Michael and I are talking. And Michael says, you know what? You know what we need, don't you? We need, right, we need missionaries. That's what we need. We need missionaries equipped, enabled, empowered right here on this campus who will go to their peers on this campus. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the truth of the matter is we can start worship communities till we're blue in the face. We've got one place going now. We've got new life going now. We have Pioneer going now. And none of us is hitting the target audience. We're not reaching those who aren't coming. We've moved the shells around and changed what's under the shells, but we, we haven't reached the lost kids on this campus. They're still our mission. They're our mission certainly here at Pioneer. So what would it take for God to raise that bar higher than we've ever had before? Michael said, you know what? We need God to just blow the doors off of this place. Holy Spirit revival. We knelt down and had prayer. Got to get going. We got a board meeting here in a few minutes. And I'm telling you the truth, just a few split seconds later, a knock at the door. Yo! And it's one of our Anderson University students sticks his head in. He says, hey, Pastor, can we talk right now? I said, my man, no, we cannot talk right now. I got a board, board meeting in 20 minutes, and I've got to chair the meeting tonight, and what's up? He said, hey, I've been walking on this campus. This is four Mondays ago. I've been walking on this campus just thinking, God, we need something big to happen in this university. And bing, I say, wait a minute. I have heard these words before, like split seconds before. I said, what are you thinking? He says, here's what I'm thinking. Listen, Pastor, let's, have a, let's call a day of prayer before school is over. We'll have a big day of prayer, get all the students together. 
I'm doing the arithmetic. We got four days left, and it's probably because of my lack of faith, not the arithmetic. And I say, hey, we, we can't do this. But I tell you what, Jonathan, because that's his name. I tell you what, Jonathan, you find 12 people, you and 11 others, and you covenant to pray for this university, pray for this church, pray, pray for us every day this summer so that when you come back, let's see what God might do in this place. Jonathan and I knelt down and had prayer together, and he left. Now I got 10 minutes to board meeting, and I'm looking out the window and just saying, man, what has just happened here? I decided, let's, let, 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 me, let me just go to the board this way. Fortunately, the first time we've ever done this, we had the chairs in a circle, like our grow group. And I'm telling you what, now that we did that, we will never go back to looking at the back of the heads of the people in front of you. There is something dynamic in a group that sits in a circle and talks. So I told the story. I told the story about Michael walking in. I told the story about uh, Jonathan. And then I said, hey, what... what God-sized vision do you suppose he has for the new year? I'm not talking about putting new wallpaper up and saying, well, we got something new now. Rearranging the furniture, that's not new. What could God have that's bigger than we could ever possibly accomplish? We talked, very candid conversation about here. And then we went to prayer. And we earnestly prayed. I, I put, a, I put a, a scribbled a line on the whiteboard. Here's the line. If you will find voice and time to pray, God will find time and voice to answer. Just scribble that line up. Wow. So we prayed. For me, for nobody else, but for me, it was a, it was a, it was a small paradigm-shifting moment. Suddenly, we've been given permission to talk about what we've been wrestling with here for months. So... The next week is, is final exam week. I administer one exam. I'm writing a paper for uh, the, the women's ordination committees uh, that I'm on. So I spent the week doing that. Then we came to Monday. This would be last Monday. And Jose has, a, has, a, has a, an appointment. He said, listen, Dwight, we need to sit down and already start planning for the new year, worship. So Jose comes. We, we're talking this. We had this idea. Ooh, that's cool, this, that. Uh, Nick, Nick Wolfer, our media director, he comes and joins us. And somewhere along the way, the conversation shifts from just talking about new plans to what's going on here. And Jose said, you know, this is really something, but I've been doing student interviews. I'm meeting some student chaplains, and I forget how many people you interviewed, 10, 10 students. So this is strictly anecdotal, but he said, Dwight, I'm telling you, to a student, they're, they're saying the same thing. It's, it's, it's not very good. I've been asking them, what, what, what's spiritual life like on this campus? So I said, okay, Jose. If God blew the doors off and we had a revival, what would it look like here? And, boy, I tell you what, I'll never forget it. Just, just like that, as if he were waiting for that question. He said, you know what I believe? That if God blew the doors off here, we'd we start seeing students praying all over this place. I mean, they'd be on the side of a sidewalk. They'd be in the, in the hallway between classes. They'd be in their dorm rooms. They'd be in the cafeteria. They'd just be stopping and say, hey, let's pray. Let's talk to Jesus together. He said, that's what I believe we'd start seeing so I said, what, do you, what will it take to move us to that? We knelt down. We had prayer together. That night, I'm, I'm supposed to give a worship over at the Andrews Academy. My friend Bob Overstreet, the principal there, said, do I come on over? Take a 10-minute worship. They do these every morning. So I said, I could do Tuesday. He said, okay, fine. So Monday night, I go home. I'm sitting in my study. Pull the yellow pad out. Okay, what are we going to do? I spent about an hour and a half, two hours. I said, this is, okay. Got it. Let's do it. But I like to pray when I'm done. So I knelt down by my desk at home. 
And no sooner had I begun that prayer than I heard a voice. Now, this is another voice. I'm pretty sure that the voice is God's. And the voice said, Nice devotional, Dwight. Wrong one. I said, you got to be kidding me. I got right up off my knees. you got to be kidding me. What do you mean the wrong one? This is what I spend my time on. I sat back down, pulled that yellow pad out, and then the story of these voices starts going up here. And he said, God says, why don't you just talk about what's been happening? I said, man, I don't have a great story here. I mean, I don't have a nice little introduction. It's 10 minutes. And he said, don't worry about it. And I started writing. Let me tell you about Andrews Academy. It's tough being in an academy under the shadow of a large university. The sh- I've been around here a few years. The shadow is suffocating at times. Everything that happens over here, the dog wags a little tail out there, and it's, it's, just, it's just tough. So I said, you know what? God, let's, let's go to the academy. Let's call for a, let's call these students, 200 and some of them, let's call them to take a stand to become moral leaders for you. Ask them. And the thought hit me, you know what, Why? That's a feeder. That's a feeder campus. Because Jose had talked about a, leadership, a spiritual leadership vacuum on our campus right now. Who's, who's stepping in? Dwight, you've got a feeder right over here. Call them to that covenant. So I said, okay. I woke up 4.45, not my usual awakening hour. 4.45 Tuesday morning. Andrews Academy is on my mind, and I go downstairs in the dark, and I'm just talking to God. Are you sure this is what you want today? I go running. I get over to the academy, 845. They're going to start at 850. So I'm sitting all alone, empty chapel on the front row. Bob Overstreet, Mr. O, as they call him, comes walking in. Say, Dwight, sat down beside me. What can I pray for you? I said, Bob, let me tell you what happened. And so I told him. Changed his devotional. I mean, I just pray that they, somebody decides. So we had prayer right there. Then the kids come pouring in. You know how it is in a high school. They had the music. I got up. <clears throat> Trust me, it was not very polished. Ten minutes. I tell a story about this Jonathan, you know, and the 12. By the way, I didn't tell you this, but uh, Jonathan, the last Sabbath of the school year, I bumped into him sitting right over there. Afterwards, I've shaken hands, and I'm coming back in. I say, hey, Jonathan, you got those 12. He pulls out his smartphone. He says, look at this, Dwight. I got, I got eight, eight of the 12 before test week. I said, you go, 12. I said, I'll tell that story. And I'll ask them if they would be willing to take a stand and become moral leaders for the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you covenant to pray every day this summer that God will do a new thing over at, on this campus and on that one. Some of you are coming to us. You're seniors now. God is preparing you to be missionaries to this university. Anyway, kids stood. I, I figured they would. They didn't all stand. Had a prayer. Shook a few hands, and I'm feeling rather embarrassed about this kind of unprepared uh, devotional. And so I said, I- I'm leaving. I'm just going to go home. I get as far as Apple Valley Market, and that same voice that said, you have the wrong devotional, that same voice said to me, what are you thinking of? The whole reason I sent you there is for what you can be doing right now. 
And I said, okay. Turned the car around, went back and parked in front of the academy. I said, okay, there was a senior sitting on that front row. I'm going to find that boy. Found out he was in a study hall. I called him out and said, come here, I want to talk to you. Went to the chapel. And he said, you know, when you were talking this morning, God was saying, I need to make that stand. He stood. But I need to be that moral leader. I said, good for you. Come on over here at the end of the summer. We had prayer together. Then I go in, and the principal is, has a break in his office, so I go right in there and say, Bob. He said, Dwight, man, I've been thinking what you're saying. I'm thinking, what can we be doing this next year? And we get into this conversation, and I'm saying, and we have prayer together. By the way, I got an email from him last night, because I told him about what I was going to be doing today. I got an email from him last night. He said, Dwight, I just have not been able to get away from this thing all week. He said, I bumped into three leaders, and he wouldn't tell me who the leaders were. I bumped into three leaders, and on their own, they brought up the very conversation you and I had. He said, I'm committing myself to this, to the max. Then I'm leaving, and, and Alvin comes walking around the corner, and, and Alvin says, Dwight, thanks. Uh, he, he says, by the way, the, the usuals all stood. I said, I figured. But he said, I saw one girl. When you made that appeal and you kept going, he said, I saw that. I, I said to myself, Alvin said, I said to myself, she will never stand, and Dwight, she stood. So, yeah. So now I go, back, I go back to my study now after these conversations. I got all kinds of voices happening. And I say, listen, there's no way we can do this series that I had ready to go, a little mini-series called Give Us This Day, Our Daily Grind. Please. God, you're doing something. Grabbed that same yellow pad out, began to scribble it down. I called Rochelle up and I said, Rochelle, because she had just sent me the new poster for the new series that has already been canceled. And bless her cheerful heart, I said, Rochelle, here's what's happening. I, I got to do this. And she said, I can do it. She turned it around in 24 hours. The poster is the bulletin cover. Theme text, I will do a new thing. There it is. Little three-parter. What's going to be four-part until Esther. And so we want to give her that last, uh, that last Sabbath. We show her how much we love her. I'll do a new thing. Do you know where that's from? I thought this, I thought this verse is all over the Bible. I said, man, they're going to, how, which, which text shall I, shall, shall I choose? It's not. It only appears in, appears in one place in the entire Scripture. I want to take you to that one place. I'm going to just reflect on this verse. I'll sit down. The main part was a story. The book of Isaiah. Open your Bible to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. You didn't bring me a Bible. You got your smartphone. Find it on your smartphone, your tablet. Use it on your tablet. Students, many of the students are now gone for the summer. Glad for the students who are here from May Express. God bless you. You got a Bible? You don't have a Bible? Grab the Pew Bible in front of you. What's the page number in the Pew Bible? Page number uh, 489. This is Isaiah 43, verse 19. I'm in the New King James. Let me read this to you. Here's, here, here's the line. Only one place in all of Scripture. This is it. Isaiah 43, verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, and shall you not know it? When I do it, will you recognize it? Will you recognize what I'm doing, God asks. Now keep reading. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I, I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Final line, verse 21, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. 
I will do a new thing. What do you mean, God? What is this new thing that you're... Only place in Scripture you make the promise. What is this new thing that you want to do? The clue, as I brooded over this, the clue is four times in two verses, God is obviously very big on water. Watch this. Look what he's talking about. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to open up rivers in the desert. Next, I'm going to open up waters in the wilderness. Then he wants to go back to the rivers in the de desert. Next, I want to give drink. I want to give drink to my people, my chosen ones. Why is God so big on water? You can't miss it. Four times in two verses. What's up, God? He says, just keep reading. Just keep reading. Eight verses. You come to Isaiah 44. Now I want you to know why I'm big on water, God says. Isaiah 44, just a breath later. Isaiah 44, verse 1, God speaking, Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, informed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun. That means upright one. It's a nickname God gave Jacob, who was the cheater. It's called the cheater. He said, I got a new nickname for you, upright one. When God gets a hold of you and he turns your life around, you get a new name. Trust me, you get a new name. Your character reflects a new calling. So Jeshurun is that new name. And you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Now here it comes, verse 3. For I will pour... Boy, he is big on this water thing. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. I will pour water on her who is thirsty. And floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Isn't that amazing? You know what the water is? I'll put it on the screen for you. It's, it's just, it's just A equals B equals C equals D. Look at water. He said, I'll pour water on the ones who are thirsty, floods on your dry ground, my spirit on your descendants, my blessing on your offspring. That's what it is. Water is about God pouring himself out in his spirit. I will pour my spirit out upon you like rivers in the desert, like water in the wilderness. Wow. By the way, Jesus, scholars are not sure, our last text, scholars are not sure. When Jesus says, according to Scripture, they don't know. What Scripture is he referring to? He could very well be referring to what we just read, 43, 44 of Isaiah. I want you to see this. So go in here, even though it's going to be on the screen, find John. We'll end with this. John chapter 7, red letter. If you have a red letter Bible, these are the words of Jesus. Take a look at this. Jesus, he takes the very same words. A stunning offer. This is John chapter 7. This is on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. I mean, this is high day. This is high drama now. Jesus is going to inject himself. He's going to inject an offer into this formal ritual. Watch this. This is John 7, verse 37. And on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. He didn't whisper. He cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let her come to me. Let him come to me and drink. She who believes, he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said. See, here it is now, as the Scripture has said. For out of his heart will flow what? Out of his heart will flow what? In the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, that's the identical word that, I, that is used in Isaiah. Same word, rivers. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus, what are you talking about? Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the, the Spirit. You got it. You got it. Concerning the Spirit. Well, I love to hear a young voice like that call out. I say, that is the Holy Spirit working on that child. 
That's the Holy Spirit working on that child. Mother, father, keep, keep very close to that child. Young voice like that, tracking a big teaching for the grown-ups, that's a sign. Let me read verse 39 again. But this Jesus spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Isn't that amazing? The same string of words. Put it on the screen. Water equals rivers equals Holy Spirit equals my blessing. It's as if he pulled Isaiah 44, 3, and he says, this is what I'm offering you. Talking about a new thing. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on you, your life, your life goes fresh, dry, barren ground. Your life goes fresh. Hey, I mean, what would you expect Jesus and Isaiah to be talking about? Who both grew up in the Middle East. And today, even in the Middle East, the most precious commodity, the most costly treasure is not oil. It's water. It's water. When I fly out west, you fly out west. I mean, you've done this. When I fly out west, and I always ask for never an aisle seat. I always want the window seat so I can see out. And I love, you know, you're flying over barren, brown Colorado or Nevada, desert plains, Utah, Southern California, wherever. But then you'll be, you'll be looking out that portal. You're looking out the window, and all of a sudden, you see this round. I mean, it's round from the air. And it's, it's not brown. It's not dry. It's this verdant, rich, deep green. And you realize somebody has poured waters into the desert, rivers, in the wilderness, and now new life blossoms up. That's what he's talking about. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on you, your dry ground, new life will spring up. I will do a new thing. I will pour out my Spirit on you people, and new life will spring up. Wow. I mean, when you get the Holy Spirit, you got it all. That's it. I mean, the, I love this. Your study guide, by the way, you got a study guide today. It's in your worship bulletin. You don't fill it in, but you have it. You can take all this home. Hey, I love this line from Desire of Ages. Only to those who wait humbly upon God, who watch for His guidance and grace, is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit given. Oh, I love this. The power of God awaits our demand and reception. This promised blessing, and these, the, the italics are mine, this promised blessing claimed by faith brings all other blessings in its train. You get this one, you get them all. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is given according to the riches of the grace of Christ, and He is ready to supply every soul according to the capacity to receive. Isn't that something? Ladies and gentlemen, the key word in both Isaiah's quoting of God and Jesus being the voice of God on earth, the key word is thirsty. The key word is thirsty. Are we thirsty? Are we thirsty? I'm talking about you and me now. Forget everybody else. Are we thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Huh? When was the last time you went to your knees and said, God, I am so thirsty for your Spirit. Pour that water out on me. Are we thirsty for the Holy Spirit? I mean, that young Jonathan who walked into my, interrupted, came walking in, he's thirsty. He is thirsty. He says, Dwight, we need something to happen in this place. It's dry ground. Am I thirsty? Are you thirsty? When was the last time you pleaded for the drink of the Spirit of Jesus? Wow. 
I mean, what do we just read? Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour my spirit on them who are thirsty. What did Jesus just say to us? John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me, and out of their heart will flow rivers of water. How thirsty are we, you and I? How thirsty are we for the Spirit of Christ? My friend Ron Cluzet, in that compelling study of the Holy Spirit, Adventism's greatest need, he makes this diagnosis, and it's kind of an ouch diagnosis for me. I don't know how it is for you, but I'll, let me put Ron's words. Ron is right here, part of our congregation. Let me put Ron's words on the screen for you. Admittedly, in the vast areas of the Western world where you and I live, we are a church in decline. Our preoccupation for the things of the world and our searing blindness to our true condition have made us who have talent, resources, and much history in Jesus. Boy, that's a description of a university campus who have talents and resources and much history in Jesus. But our blindness has made us a puny spiritual people. We, are, we really are terminally ill, but little do we know it. We've been medicating for so long that we don't know what health is like anymore. What we desperately need is a double dose of spiritual aid, a revelation of the character of Christ, and a thorough baptism of the Spirit. End quote. Ron is right, isn't he? He's right about me. Going through the motions. Oh, we're going to have a new year. Yeah, okay, well, what do you want to do? Let's change the wallpaper. You serious? That's the new year you want at Andrews University? That's the new year you want at the Pioneer Memorial Church? Change the wallpaper? You haven't changed a blooming thing. I will do a new thing. Ask me. Ask me. And I will pour out water on those who are thirsty. So here's the question. What if we ask God to awaken a new thirst in us? What if we ask God to awaken a new thirst in us? God, I don't even know I'm thirsty. I'm so dry. God, would you be willing to do a new thing? I know, God, we're going to pray for this campus, but look, you need to start somewhere. Start with me. Do a new thing in me. Open up the window of heaven. Pour out water on the dry ground of my soul. Give me your spirit, please. It awaits, what was that, what was that line? It awaits our demand and reception. Give me that spirit, please. My friend Joe Warren, God bless him, used to tell me, Dwight, listen, God loves to have his words quoted back to him. Don't be afraid, boy, to quote his words back to him. So, you know, what we could do is just open the Bible to Isaiah 43, 19. You've got the new study guide. Just wherever you have your prayer in the morning, have that study guide. Open your Bible to Isaiah 43, 19, and you put your finger on it. Say, God, I'm, God, I'm going to quote back to you your promise. You said, behold, I will do a new thing. I'm asking you to do a new thing in this place. We need, a, we need a new band, a new critical mass of moral leaders on this campus. We have a vacuum right now. Send them to us from Andrews Academy. Send them to us from anywhere. Give us a new critical mass of young men and women who are sold out for Jesus and who are willing to be moral leaders in this place. You said you'd do a new thing. I'm asking you, begin with me. I'm the neediest soul of all. I'm putting my finger on Isaiah 43, 19, and I'm putting the finger across the way on Isaiah 44, 3, and I'm asking you, God, do a new thing in my life. Pour out water. 
Pour out the water on the dry ground of my soul. Pour out the Holy Spirit on the dry ground of my soul. I need a new thing in my life. That's it. I will pour out my blessing upon your offspring. Guess what, Pioneer? We're the church. They're the offspring. I thank God for every worship community on this campus. We've got to band together. We have to band together. But we can't expect them to go to the mat if we're not willing to go to the mat. We have to be willing to go to the mat first. We have to be willing to say, you know what? We were raised up as the mother. We have offspring. Pour out your spirit upon our descendants and our offspring. Pour out your water upon us. We beg of you. We can keep rearranging the furniture. It's fine. We'll eventually get tired of that and we'll start something else. We can do that till we're blue in the face. We've not solved heaven's deepest need. God says, give me a chance to do a new thing in you now. I need to do it now. Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't this be something? And one day when God's in the kingdom, we're hanging around with God, the Father. He says, you know, I was the only one that had this calendar. Jesus said, I don't know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. He was right. I'm the only one who has this calendar locked up in my, behind my throne. I want to show you a date. From time immemorial, this date has been circled. I want you to know I was right on time. You responded. You responded. I had lunch with my friend Richard Che this week, and he said, Dwight, you know, it, it really, this is the way God works. He has a shot clock. You know basketball, shot clock? He has a shot clock. And the shot clock is only seen by him. You have no idea how much time is left on that shot clock. But he knows. And he says, shoot, shoot. What are you thinking? We're running out of time. Shoot, shoot now. Ah, it's not a good perfect shot. I don't like it. I'll wait. What were you thinking? He's still going to get the shot off. You just won't make it. There's somebody who'll say, I'll shoot. Give me the ball. There's a generation that'll say, we'll shoot if you'll just give us the ball. I will do a new thing, and I know how much time I have left, and I need you to be available to me to the max, and let me do it. Let me do it. 
People say, Dwight, well, what's it going to look like to have, have the doors blown off? I have no idea. And I'll tell you what, this is a little warning. Let us not come to God and say, here's how we need it to happen. That's be the, that would be the stupidest thing we could do. He says, it's a new thing. Don't you tell me what it looks like. You can look to the past and for these. We have only two more parts, these next two Sabbaths. So we'll, we'll, we'll look to what it could look like. But this much I know. If Pentecost is somehow God's template, listen carefully, if Pentecost is how God operates, when the Spirit of Jesus is poured out on an upper room, a community, a campus, it seems clear that the timid become bold, the bold become humble, the lost get saved, and the saved get going. That's what happens. That's what happens. At least that. It'll happen. I want to do a new thing. But you're not thirsty. Ask me. You're not thirsty. You don't want it. You got your toys. You got your career. You got your children. You got your portfolios. You don't care about me. You have your hobbies. You're not, you're not thirsty at all. I will do a new thing, and I will pour out my spirit on him who is thirsty, on her who is thirsty. I'll pour out my floods upon dry ground. But you have to ask me, what would happen, ladies and gentlemen, if we ask God, God, I need a thirst. I don't know what else to ask for. I don't know how the Holy Spirit comes. I just know this. I need to be thirsty. What if we ask God to make us thirsty? He has ways that you will appreciate. He's not going to get a good gift and give it to you in a bad way. He's going to give it to you in a glorious way. But you have to ask me. You have to be thirsty. What if we ask God to make us thirsty? So at Andrews Academy this Tuesday, I said, Hey, guys, anybody here want to be a moral leader? Just, just offer your life to be a moral leader. And would you covenant with Jonathan? I see Jonathan right here. I thought he was leaving for the holiday. Would you covenant with Jonathan, who's lining up 11 friends to join him this summer? And would you join me? I'm just talking to these kids. Would you join me? Because I'm going to pray every day this summer. Listen, this is preseason. You say, well, Dwight, let's just wait. When the, when the students come back, and now we're into a new year. No, no, no. That's way, way, way too late. That's what we've been doing every year. We've been wait well, we'll get it together with everything. It, it's way too late. You have to have a preseason. Professional sports today, what do they have? They have these preseason games. Why? Because we're not ready yet. That's why. We'll have preseason games. This is a preseason of prayer. We need to be asking God now to pour out that water. God, I can't, I don't know about the rest, but you, I know I need it. Give me that thirst. Ask him now. He said, I'll do a new thing for you. I promise you, I will do a new thing. If anyone comes to me thirsty, I will give her to drink. I will give him to drink. And out of you will come rivers of water that will bless the world wherever you go. Boy, I want to be that. I want to be that. So I made the appeal. I'm making the appeal to you. Would you be willing to covenant with me the summer that slept? Summers are gone just like that around here. But would you be willing to covenant with me to pray every day until the new year starts? Once you're praying every day, you go right into the new year. I'm not worried about that. But would you, in this preseason of prayer, pray with me for God to do a new thing already? So when people walk onto this campus at the end of August, man, what's up? What's happening? God says, I'll do a new thing. 
I had one of these little, uh, a junior. She's a co-ed co over here at the Andrews Academy. She came up to me after. She said, oh, pastor, I, I stood. I said, good for you. She said, yeah, I stood because you know what she said? Look at the conditions of the world. This is the right time. And I thought, I did say this to her, but I thought to myself, if a little junior in high school thinks the world is in a mess, it probably is. The time is right. Ask me. I will do a new thing for you who are thirsty. For you who are thirsty, I will do a new thing. Are you a leader on this campus? Start praying. Are you a leader on this campus? Start praying. You know yourself to be a leader? Start praying. You're watching, you're listening from somewhere a, a, a million miles away. You pray the same prayer for where you live. You live somewhere on this planet? Pray. Ask your people at home to pray. Let's get a network of askers. Oh, God, do a new thing. This is our Connect card today. I wish you'd take this Connect card in your hand. And once you have it in your hand, I wish you would kneel with me right now. Hold the Connect card in your hand. Would you please? And just kneel with me where you are. Look, we can't, we can't be talking about prayer and not pray together. What would, that would be crazy. So let's ask God collectively together. Hold the Connect card. Just hold it. I'm not going to hold it up, but just have your prayer card, Connect card. And so, Holy Father, we, we are on our knees. In the beginning of this fleeting summer, we are on our knees together. Dear God, it is a humble prayer. It is a simple prayer. But what we are earnestly asking, Father, what I'm earnestly asking is that you will create a thirst in me for the water of life that you have. You said I will pour out my spirit upon those who are thirsty. Dear God, grant us that thirst, please. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come to me. Drink my water, and out of you rivers of water will flow. Oh, God, imagine what could happen. But right now, we're praying for our own hearts. Start with us, please. Grant us that thirst. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, pour out your showers of blessings upon us now. In this preseason, God, please, in this preseason, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to take an extra moment to let you know how grateful I am you joined us today. I hear from viewers and listeners like you all across this nation and literally around the world, and I'm thankful because it's through the generosity of the members of this congregation and people like you that we're able to bring you this program. So if what we share today has touched your heart, I'd like to invite you to become a financial partner with us. Just give us a call. Toll-free number 877, the two words, His Will. 877, His Will. Or if you'd rather, go to our website, www.pmchurch.tv. 
either way, your generosity will bless a new generation in cyberspace all over this planet. So thank you. Thank you very much for your partnership.